Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us once again, our guest on the show today for a second go around, we have Julie Hibbert with Anytime Fitness three locations in texas julie what's going on how are we i'm good how are you i am doing very very well great to have you back on here i am more than excited to to pick your brain and and see where things are 2023 compared to the last time we spoke in early 22 anytime fitness everybody that listens to this pretty much knows what anytime fitness is at this point i don't think we need to do too, too much work in the explanation of the brand, but I'd love to hear a a quick snippet of your journey with Anytime Fitness. And so how did we get to where we are now with these three locations? Well, do you want me to go like back to starting? Take us to the day that the idea sprouted. I think I'm going to be a gym owner. Okay. I was 18 and, um, I drew like a layout of my first gym. Of course, I drew more like a lifetime fitness rather than an anytime. But um, I got my training cert and I actually worked with a trainer in college quite a bit. And then I worked for a big box gym. I did not like it. And I went and trained at an anytime fitness and I noticed how personable they were with everyone. And I just absolutely loved it. And so I talked to my parents Um because my dad was an investor and things like that. So I talked to him, he made me get a business plan together and I got a loan from him to start the first one. And I ended up paying that back in a couple of years. I was only 25, so I was pretty young Mm -hmm. and uh, paid that off. We went into business together on a second gym because he saw that I was doing well with that. And then we partnered on two more clubs after that and they were actually turnaround clubs. So, um, little was bit the first one you started from scratch. First two, I started from scratch. First two. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I've done both. I've done like starting ground up, killed it in pre-sales. I just, pre-sales is one of my most favorite things. Cause it's like people doubt you. So you're out to prove them wrong. Yeah. And when you've been in business for 12 years on one of them, you know that you proved some people wrong. So um, all of the gyms that I started are still in business. Yeah, Um, there you are. Then I purchased two underperforming clubs. They were not making any money. And what we had to do is go through and clean up the books. We had to get all of the people who were coming in for free um, to pay. And that was a little hard because they think that you're like a, police officer or something that is putting the rules down on them but in reality you just have to explain business to people you're just trying to run a business yeah yeah so um people don't get that all the time they think like because i'm they think i'm younger than i am but it's like they think that you're a jerk because you're a business person and it's just you know i think people fear change no yeah. matter what. So it's, I think it's just a sour taste in people's mouth, regardless of if you were coming in nicest person in the world, or if you're cracking the whip, I think it's, there's going to be pushback regardless. 
Right. Especially if they're not paying anything. And then (laughs) you need to pay our They're like, what? (laughs) So, but it was definitely an adventure. Um, I've gone through like people always saying, oh, my dad just hands me everything. And then, um, and I couldn't like, I wasn't running the business and my dad passed away in December. So I'm still running the businesses. And that's the one thing in the fitness industry that I've noticed, like, you know, people don't want to believe it, I guess. And also with being a female, I've dealt with lots of just people saying, oh, you got that because you're hot. And I'm like, no. (laughs) And um, so those are just the things that you really just have to ignore when you're going through business. If nothing else, uh, a fragile ego type industry, you know, it's how can this person do it, but I can't do it type questioning. But it sounded to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, like you were doing this on your own at 25 before we had ever had any kind of partner assistance. I mean, you got the loan, but yeah, it sounded like you were running the first one. I was. And so, but on the business aspect, on the operating aspect, I had, I had no, um, like formal education in that. And I did no better way than, than to learn by doing, I suppose. Right. Oh, trial and error, but I didn't have too much error because my parents were both entrepreneurs. So they helped me a lot in organization and, Mm. you know, doing all the things you can't spend all the money you make. (laughs) You have to keep a cushion and a big cushion, especially in a gym running these things is not cheap. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not. So, um, as far as sales marketing, I've done all of our marketing for over a decade now. I'm very good at that. And I'm not, I'm sure I could be better, but I just know from the numbers that it, whatever I'm doing works. Yeah. Hard um, to argue with success. Right. I just enjoy marketing too. And I think that if you enjoy something, you're going to nail it. And I would um, argue almost the opposite. If you're good at it, you will enjoy it. I think in our industry, because people aren't good at marketing, nobody dreams of opening up a gym and included in that they're sitting behind a computer on Facebook ads manager. Right. It's just not really a thought that people have. And so without the practice reps, people aren't good at it. And then the, t- the time that they try it, it goes horribly. And so they hate it. <laughs> you know, right. you I because think- you've stuck with it and gotten these practice reps and now you're good at it. Yeah, of course, you're going to enjoy it. Well, I think a lot of marketing is creating content. And that is, I mean, the first things creating creativity. And I really like In business, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be creative in all kinds of aspects because you have to think of new ways to make money. What are you going to do your prices? How are you going to present those prices in a sale and make it work? And so when you're creating content, I think, you know, you're really starting to use that other side of your brain. And to me, it creates a lot of balance because you're not only running your business, helping people get in shape, but you're promoting what you're doing, but in a creative way to get, you know, viewers, followers, people signing up online. (laughs) I want to pick your brain for a minute and and kind of shift away from marketing, but to talk about something we talked about earlier, 
with the difference between starting a club from scratch versus taking over an existing club. Tell us in your experience kind of some pros and cons of each. Okay, pros. Um, a gym from ground up costs more money to start. Um, so cons to buying a pre-existing gym, sometimes you have to do the remodel and that's around 50,000, but, um, more. So this time around, sure. depending on scale and size, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you initially can get your return on investment faster in a turnaround club. However, turnaround clubs are harder. People have a bad taste in their mouth. Like the gym may have stayed dirty for six months and you didn't have, they didn't have toilet paper or whatever. And so they don't have trust in the gym. So you have to create a lot of rapport with people. And to me, it takes the owner actually going in and talking to people um, because we're all about being personable. Ground up. Um, I actually like ground up better. It does cost more, but you're able to like show up as you are without the other stress of like creating, um, you know, memberships from people paying nothing, fixing books. Cause if you have not been in business before and purchasing a cheap club, you, um, have a lot in for you. So, um, because you really have to be very organized with these businesses, you have to set goals and you have to hit them or you're not going to make any money or you'll fail. And you may not know until you take over, you know, there's only so much due diligence you can do. I had no idea when I took over those two clubs that it was going to be like that. And I did them at the same time. So it was just like, whoa, we all ended up working in the clubs to do all this stuff because it was just, it was a lot, but you know, I'm thankful for it now because those clubs are really doing well. And I don't know. If you were going to expand your holdings in the future, would it be with a new club or would it be taking over an existing one? Taking over an existing one for sure. But it depends on what, where they're at. Um, like if they're losing, losing money, you don't want that. It's too much. So I think if they're like flatlined or making maybe a thousand a month, you can work with that. Yep. And it also depends on the market. So you have to do a lot of market research before you put in a club or purchase a club because there are other competitors that just depreciate the market value. So you want to make sure you're kind of far from them. And one doesn't have the chance of coming into your town. Sure. Fast forward to where things are at today, Julie. Talk to us. The last time we had spoke was early 2022. Talk to us about the difference between where things were in 22 versus where they are now in 23. All right. So things in 2022. I had four clubs still. I don't know if I was on the men from COVID, but probably a little bit. Um So my thing is, if it's not making me happy, I don't want to do it anymore. And the one club that I sold, it was harder to run because one of the big competitors moved in like a mile away. So it really needed like somebody with really like expert sales skills and things like that. And sometimes that's just not teachable. And um, I just, and then my dad was diagnosed with a terminal illness and it was very stressful doing all of this stuff. 
Um, I did a full remodel in the Gainesville club and my dad died right in the middle of that, but I did finish it. And, um, it was just a lot, um, turning off your emotions and everything to work. It is doable. So that's, I honestly think work was actually therapeutic. (laughs) Um, I guess that's something that loves to work though. So, um, I sold the Ardmore club this summer and just washed my hands of it. And it's great. Of course it did. They didn't want to delete the Instagram accounts or they didn't want me to, because I had so many followers and stuff on there. So that was the hardest part was the social media and getting things out of my name over to them. But I did. Yeah. I sold it to some really good owners. They were previous anytime fitness owners and people still come to my club, you know, and they tell me that they like it. And that's, that's all I really wanted was, you know, to sell it like in good terms. And so that's what I did. And, um, the other three, since I sold it, I went up 13% in profits. So I'm making more money. So you're probably further along with less, right? Right. I'm making more money with less gems and that's, Like I know people that own 10 gyms, but I make more money with them, with my three. So it's just like, why do I want to own more when I'm making more here and still making an impact on people? Because there's two reasons why I'm in it. I'm passionate about health and fitness and that's always evolving. And I think that's why I like it. And then, you know, it is about money at the end of the day. This is a business, you know, the scoreboard is money in versus money out. And I think there's, I mean, an odd sort of rat race in fitness where we measure success with how many locations we have. And and that's sort of the standard, but there are a lot of, a lot of really successful owners who do well with fewer right like immediately you saw these other three clubs take off and reach a greater potential and i think at the end of the day it's it's probably an attention thing when my focus is on four clubs i can only put so much time into each of these four clubs with three i can pour more of myself into all of these and it is going well now forecast this into the future here miss julie 2023, we've got three clubs, 13% bump from where we were. What do we want to see come early 2024? Oh, I'm already going to make a much bigger bump. I want to go up up probably another 13%, but I'm going to do that with coaching. That's what I was working on last year is just kind of getting coaching in the clubs and um, because I had taken it out and finding the coaches has been a real challenge in rural areas and so we just really started um, I've been the only one to be able to sell coaching Um, our new guy's kind of he's new so but it is working and we're not cheap like for 30 minutes it's 55 a session and, um, and I don't want it to be cheap because if it's cheap, then I'll have to do more clients and it's yep. just easier to work on a low scale, higher pay for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in the scheme of what you are ultimately trying to do 
there's only a, a couple of different levers that we can pull, right? And for a long time, fitness was just more people, more people, more people, more people, low cost. Mm-hmm. COVID broke that. COVID yeah. put a number on, on facilities all over the place. But if we were charging few dollars per member and nobody could show up and bring any money in, a lot of done it clubs that I talk to and, and there's been sort of this paradigm shift where, okay, we don't need 5,000 members. We can serve a smaller pocket of people, but we're going to serve them at this higher caliber, looping in things like coaching services, PT, group training, nutrition services, whatever that looks like, even mm-hmm. go so far as recovery type stuff, massage, spa, whatever it looks like. That's what we are now. That's- and, and people pay people pay for these things and to your point earlier the bottom line sees that you know the take-home amount the profit at the end of the day is what really matters on all of this Mm -hmm. but there's an unspoken aspect to where it's a lot less headaches for a gym owner yeah i don't have as many declined cards at the end of the month i don't have as many angry members calling me every single week this is a big deal Um, it is. So the reason there's several reasons why I don't want, like I have one member, I have one club. I mean, I have 1300 members and that club is a beast. It's easy. I mean, I do it and you just have to turn off everything because people, they go for your throat and it's, they're always in the wrong and they owe money or something like that. So that when it comes to training, because that's a whole different business aspect inside the club I mean it has a different bank account everything I don't want double that and then people because it's training they're going to be like well I didn't come I want my money back no you can't because it's a contract and um, also when you have more people less for like a lower rate or something like that the more likely um, equipment and stuff starts to fail and then you don't have enough money to pay for it because Mm -hmm. You haven't been charging enough. And yep. so the gyms that I've seen fail, they've lowered their prices or something like that. I've only upped my prices. I think my prices just for the membership membership <laughs> alone is um it's like five dollars more a month. So um, you know, you get a thousand people. But that's that's seen in in things like even just cleaning supplies, bathroom supplies, like the right. more people you have these costs are going up. And if we're not profitable on each single member, what's the point at the end of the day? It's just more work for less. Exactly. And you have to put rent in there. There's so much overhead with gyms and we are the lower overhead clubs. That's why we don't have daycare and things like that. And people ask me all the time, why don't you have daycare? Well, I don't want it. It's (laughs) something else to pay for. Get a sitter. Um, So it's just... I, I don't know. You really have to weigh things out when you're doing businesses. And I think people, they get really gung-ho and ready to go. And then they get in there and they're like, oh, shit. And then, It's not as simple as just some map, back of the napkin map. Yeah. And fitness does not sell itself. You have so many competitors. You have to be on your A game. Like you have to sell. You have to like give a quality product because if you're not following through with the contracts you're selling then you've got a huge customer service problem so there's so many aspects to it and um 
people don't understand that. Like when their customers are trying to tell you how to run your business, I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, Go so, open one. <laughs> Go yeah, try it. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I have had employees open their own clubs and um, one, she went out of business. And so, um, because they do, they want to open clubs and charge that lower rate and you can't sustain that. They're like, we want nope. everybody to go. Well, you should start a nonprofit. No, you, no, you don't. You really but, don't. So. It is what I, it is. Now, 13% annual growth is tremendous. Big picture this thing for a second and just think five years from now, 10 years from now. Where are you going to be in relation to these clubs, or what do you see as as the longer term play? Um, I'm going to be making at least a million in revenue just on training, and so it's doable. I see people do it all the time. Um, and you know, as far as membership, eighty eight grand a month. Do so it. Eighty eight thousand a month. You know? Yeah, I mean. It's doable, especially it's like doable. people do it on one club and that would be cool. <laughs> so um, there's just a lot of housing that's gone up in two of my club locations and um, their income is higher. So I do think it's definitely doable there. But um, what I'm really working on is employee management. So because it's just me. And my mom helps too on some of the employee stuff, but um, I don't want to hire anybody out for, it's three gyms. Why, why do you need a regional manager? You really yeah. don't, but then you have to be HR. And <laughs> so it's just, you wear so this is This is tiptoeing between small to medium sized business. And then you get all of the fun leadership side of things that right. have to come and take place so yeah. teetering on that line at least it's it's wild uh the one thing that has really grown for me is leadership skills I used to I don't know I just didn't know how to do it I didn't know how to lead multiple people and then when somebody was kind of falling off starting to become toxic they needed to leave their position I don't know if I was offended or what, but I've like, you know, not been the most professional, but then I talked to other business owners and business professionals. They're like, I'd have done the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So it makes me feel better, but that's, um, I've noticed that on employees, if you lead them well, they're generally happier. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's, you really do want a happy and healthy staff, especially in a gym. So absolutely. One final question for you here, Julian. We'll start to wrap things up. You've been doing this for, for quite some time now. What would be the best pointer or best piece of advice that you could provide to somebody thinking about getting into their first club? Stay humble. So the thing that I've noticed is a lot of these young people and things like that, they're wanting to get in this, but their egos are too big to even learn. They won't even listen to somebody like me. And I'm just like, okay. You need to listen to other people, other business owners, keep networking and really listen to what they have to say. You can take their points that work for them and see if they work for you, or you can just feed off of that and be creative on something else. But it's really um, 
you're always in a learning stage. You're never to the point to where you don't need to learn anymore because again, fitness is ever evolving and there's tons of competition. So stay humble. Appreciate that. We're running a little shy on time here, but I do want to save a minute for you to be able to tell people the social media links where they could find out more about your clubs. Where okay, can cool. people find you guys? So they can find me on Julie Moves You. So J-U-L-I-E-M-O-V-E-S-Y-O-U. That's my Instagram. I collaborate posts from my gyms on that. So um, my gyms are Anytime Fitness Gainesville, Texas, Anytime Fitness Pilot Point, Texas, and Anytime Fitness Crumb, Texas. So Instagram, you can definitely find us all there. So Instagram, it is straightforward and simple. Julie, it's been awesome to, to reconnect and get you back on here. I'm still excited to see what the future holds because it sounds like some big projects are in the works. So you said, I appreciate you said your time. You should really look up my club on Instagram because I did like the whole creative reel of before and after. It looks, it's pretty cool. I'm proud of it. So there you go. Yeah. Connect with Julie and the team. I, I really, really do appreciate your time here. And like I said, I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards. Okay, cool. Thanks. And absolutely to everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam, and today with me is the one and only Jenny with Fly Fitness out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Jenny, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Absolutely. Pleasure having you on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, hopefully you're not too cold out there. Yeah, I appreciate you having me having me on here as well. So, Absolutely. Well, Jenny, uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn, turn the reins over to you. Go ahead and give the listeners a little bit about who you are you know, your passions, your experiences, ultimately how and why you opened up your current studio. I have been in fitness since I was probably 18 years old, um, either teaching fitness or involved in some kind of wellness or film fitness industry. Uh, I started out teaching basically step aerobics back when I was in college uh, here, actually in Lincoln, Nebraska. There was a the first boutique studio that I really was aware of. Um, and I just fell in love with the environment of a boutique studio where, you know, it was more of a community. Um, and I pretty much taught fitness in some regard throughout college. And then I went to law school here in actually in Lincoln as well, taught fitness throughout that time. And then I moved out to the Bay area in my early twenties. And I continued to teach at a bunch of different studios, teaching, doing personal training, teaching, um, all kinds of fitness classes from cycling to high intensity at the time it wasn't called that, but boot camp style classes. Um, 
And I started in a PhD program uh, at Stanford. It was in uh, education, but in counseling psychology, and I worked in the area of uh, motivation. So I was um, working with some of the teams at Stanford and working, I had a supervisor who um, helped me look into what motivation, how it started, how it, how, how to facilitate motivation in people. And I really loved that part of it. So I was kind of doing wellness alongside of teaching. I, at that same time, I started a boot camp company and, and personal training company that I ran throughout while I was in my PhD program. And it was on the campus and kind of around that area. This town is called Palo Alto. So it was around Palo Alto and we did boot camp classes and things like that. And uh, it was called Victory Lab Fitness, and that was kind of my first foray into actually having a fitness company. And so when I um, moved back to Lincoln, which was about 2005, to have a family, um, I sold Victory Lab uh, Fitness, which is actually still there. It's under a different name now, but um, I sold it and came back here, and I thought that Lincoln needed something uh, kind of like the bigger cities had, needed boutique fitness, but on an upscale kind of level. So that was how Fly was developed. It took a while for me to do that. I kind of taught for a little while here at all the different gyms and things like that. Um, I also was working as a performance psychologist, which is kind of my other trade. <laughs> and so I was working at the University of Nebraska in their athletic department, working with the coaches and the teams and athletes. Uh, so then I kind of was formulating the idea for Fly, and uh, in 2015, I left the job uh, at the athletic department and opened the first Fly studio, which is our um, kind of flagship studio in downtown Lincoln. And that's, you know, it's going to be eight this year. So that's kind of how I came to it. I, you know, I have three kids and I am married. My husband's Canadian. And so he moved to Lincoln with me and um, we you know, I've always been active as well. I've done half Ironman. I do, you know, running races, triathlons, things like that. So I've always kind of been involved in this and I just became lucky enough to kind of mesh my passion with my, my life. So. Oh, that's awesome. I uh, never got into the whole running and longer distance type things. I was, uh, I was like a two lapper. I was the 800 yeah. in high school and that was about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a different mindset with those two things, right? <laughs> yeah, you almost need David Goggins on repeat as you're running, right? It's right for sure. Yeah, love that though. Uh, but that's really cool. You kind of took, you know, all sorts of different experiences, almost kind of like a melting pot, put it into one, and you know, made it your own. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels that way. Excellent. So, with Fly Fitness, first and foremost, um, you know, what was the the mindset behind the name? So when I, so like I said, I, I run a lot. And when I was developing the concept for fly, I used to run every day on this treadmill. It's actually called an alter G. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. An yep. So it's, you know, basically an anti-gravity treadmill and you can set it on any um, kind of setting. And so I would go and run every day and I'd run eight miles at a minimum. And, but it, you know, you could, you were running with, you know, 80% of your body weight. So there's really light, light impact on your joints, but it just felt so great to me. And the thing about an alter G is, you know, you're like zipped in to, it's almost like a harness, but it's on top of an actual treadmill. And so you're running, but your, your hands can be freer than like, if you're running on a regular treadmill and I'm running on the treadmill, you know, and I was really fast and felt really great at the time. And 
I would run and there was nothing for me to really do while I'm running, but just listen to music. And I, and there was one point I was like running and I had my arms just out to the side and I just felt just on top of the world. I felt so in control and so powerful and strong and like I could do anything. And it just felt like I was almost flying. And and it was in that moment I thought, I this is how I want people, this is how people should feel when they're working out. It shouldn't feel isolating. It shouldn't feel damaging to your self-esteem. It shouldn't feel like you're weak or tired. It should feel empowering. And so that was where that was where the name came from. Excellent. I like that. Well, wonderful. Thank you for that. Um so let's kind of dive in a little bit to, you know, fly fitness. Let's talk about like the baby, the first you know, opening, grand opening of, you know, your studio. Um, we spoke earlier and that one's about three, 3,400 square feet, right? It, it, it is. And uh, the space actually was originally, um, it's actually bigger than that. And we renovated an old theater. My husband and I went into it together and he has a law firm. And so we split the space. So, um, you know, it's 3,400 square feet, but then we kind of added on a little upstairs area. So it makes it a little larger than that, but it's definitely bigger than our you know, than it needs to be, but it's the baby. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, showing the baby some love. Right. Um, cool. So with that one about, you know, that one's been open, you said it'll be eight years now, right? Correct. Yes. So roughly how many members do you guys currently have with that studio? Um, we have, I mean, depending on the kind of membership, we're at about 175 um, active, active members. All right. And then again, I know we spoke previously on whatnot as far as, you know, what is Fly Fitness, but if you could explain to our listeners kind of like either your elevator pitch or, you know, just a, all the services that are offered within Fly Fitness and how would you consult somebody that comes to you in needance of a facility, you know, to make sure either A, you're the right fit or they're the right fit for you. So we offer all styles of classes. So that's one of the advantages that we have over other boutique studios. A lot of studios are just cycle or just high intensity. Um, we have cycle, we have bar, we have Pilates, yoga, uh, and, and high intensity classes. So we have, you know, and strength. So we include all the class classes in any one of our memberships. All of our classes um, can be, our, our instructors are really well-trained. So they are you know, for instance, our cycle training is 50 plus hours. Um, so all of our trainings are really high level. And so that anybody who comes in, our instructor should know how to help that person individually. And we have all different ages, sizes, shapes, ranges of, of people from beginner all the way up to marathoners or, or whatever. So I think, um, you know, our philosophy, I think guides how we approach anyone. And, and our philosophy is kind of on the walls. And, and it basically is that we treat everyone like a someone. And um, it's, I think I, when, you know, you go into a lot of big box gyms and you kind of just can get lost, you go in and it's like, well, I don't know how to work a treadmill and you just get on there and you're supposed to figure out how to do your thing. But that's not our philosophy. Our philosophy is from the minute you walk in, we're going to show you how to do this and we're going to help you through it. And we're going to be there like as a community helping each other. It's just a really supportive community, but it's not, and it's not focused on body size or shape. It's focused on feeling better mentally. Absolutely. Love that. So what, you know, what's the mentality of everyone when they first walk in, and then when they walk out, like, what, what do you notice the most from your studio specifically, whatever class it might be, what's kind of like, what do you see when they first walk in and what do you see when it's done? 
I think, you know, I think most of the time when people walk in, they're, they're intimidated. They're a little bit stressed out about, you know, um, what's this going to be like? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I strong enough? Am I fit enough? Um, Cause they kind of see an image of what it, or, you know, people think there's a, you know, type of person that comes to these kind of classes and they're all really in shape and that, you know, so I think that's what people walk in with and maybe a lot of question marks. And then, um, but then a majority of the time people walk out feeling like, wow, that was a really hard workout, really great, really challenging, but I feel awesome. I mean, there are times people have said, you know, I was in your cycling class and I cried because it was just so awesome, awesomely intense. And, um, you know, I don't want to say transformative, but I think for a lot of people, they feel like, wow, I, I'm glad I did. I'm really glad I took a, a risk because I think for most people to go into any gym, honestly, like no matter where you go, it's, if you're not used to doing that, even if you are, honestly, even for someone like, you know, you or me who goes to these places all the time, it's still scary to go to a, a new city and walk into a, a new class. Cause you just don't know what to expect. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, me being here in um, South Carolina, it's like, you know, I've, I've been to, I literally been to Redcon in Florida and like seen, you know, I've talked to Kai Green and if people who know that is, but um, you know, and taking pictures and it's like, it's so intimidating. But then like, when you have the conversation, it's like, Oh, like, okay. Like it's not like, it's actually really nice. And you know, so on and so forth. And it's like, you have all these gyms and like all these cults and clicks and Right. people that have been there for you know six seven eight months and you're like even you know some of that has all the experience it's like you walk in and you're just like all right these people like talking smack about me are they like it's totally totally why is this why is this dude wearing a stringer or uh you know what i'm saying like just whatever so yeah um it is it's, it can be so intimidating for people and that's the thing there are and, and that's why i think it's important for any fitness space or wellness space to not to try to avoid those clicks and in, in whatever in, in whatever way you can I mean we try to with our philosophy and we instill that in like our instructors and we talk about it all the time because it's like it is scary it doesn't matter how fit you are how many classes you've been to so yeah 100 percent uh so member wise and you know let's kind of dive into the scope of leads you know, with your, your first studio, the one that's been there the longest, you know, where does the majority of your leads come in right now? Um, we have, we have ads out through Google and Instagram and the majority of those come in through those social media outlets. Um, and we follow up, we obviously follow up with those, um, with, a a texting service called loyal snap. So but most of them come in through ads. We also do some, I guess we also, that would be the majority, but we also do some kind of grassroots things where we go to the university here and talk to the sororities or, you know, talk to student groups, things like that. We have the University of Nebraska is really close by. So we um, do that. Some of the companies nearby downtown um, are a little more organic. Yeah. Business to business and things like that. Um, Now you said like ads on Google and things like that. Do you guys do like paid advertising with like Facebook and Instagram ads? Yes, we do. Got it. Yeah. And after COVID, honestly, we really bumped that way up. We used to not do much paid advertising at all. We didn't have to. Um, but as people started kind of coming back to the gym after COVID, we we really just boosted boosted our spend for that. Yeah. I the the last like several gym owners I've talked to as well, they were like, there was just something different. Like they were able to get leads and like other people in the door differently. Yeah. But then after COVID hit, it's kind of like 
you know, we, we were almost forced to go to, you know, Facebook and Instagram, things like that. And I think, and you probably have more knowledge on this than me, but I think that's in part due to all the, the zooms and the, the, the virtual, absolutely, you know, workouts and stuff like that. And now everything's online and you're, you're posting more content. And now it's like, well, people are on Facebook and Instagram all the time. So why not post ads through there? Right. And, and it is, that's very true. I think also people have changed their style of workout. So we would see people that were like these multi-class uh, or they come to, you know, two, two classes a day and they'd come six times a week, um, use the studio a lot more than they do. And now people are, have more of a hybrid approach. I feel like to their workouts, they'll, you know, maybe ride their bike at home or they'll do some kind of, you know, online workout two days a week and they'll come to the studio three. And so we're, it's just like a very different pattern of how people are using our studio than what they did before. And so I think that's also part of it is that some people are still working out at home, but we're really having to kind of hone in on these people and say, well, come back at least part-time. This is, you know, make this part of your hybrid, you know? So. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, there's either people that want the, the community and the aspect of it. And then there's also people that are like, Oh, Hey, like I've never done this before, but it kind of like it and yeah. it sticks. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, with leads and advertising, what would you say is on average, the amount of leads you guys get either per week, per month um, that come in your inbox? Um, I would say um, probably five to 10. That's, I don't, that it's, it's, yeah, probably five to 10 good leads. Um, that's not, I mean, five would probably be good. Actually, 10 would be not, you know, the other five on there. I'm not really sure because we have, you know, it's like people who register on our site, yeah. right? 10 of those per week. And of those people who actually sign up at the studio, probably 50% of those. Got it. Okay. So to break it down, like, you know, you get like, 10 people in the inbox and then five of those would show up for an appointment and then right. you would close the majority of those. So the, I would say no. So I would say 10 of those 10. So if, if we're saying about 10 leads a week, five of the, those would be 10 people who signed up on our website to just get it. Right. Okay. And then five of those would, you know, actually sign up for class. And of the five who come to class, we maybe would get half of those. So I know half of five is two and a half, but so yes. probably half of those would actually, after taking one class, keep coming back. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and so with that, is that, you know, something that's like par for the course? Is that something you guys are okay with? Is that something that you're working on maybe getting a little bit more, a little bit better? We've really been um, hitting this RCRM hard. Like I said, it's called Loyal Snap. And so we've been following up. Um, we, we kind of used to have a philosophy that we didn't want to, um, really be pushy with people. Um, you know, I know there's like, you know, there's fitness places and there's sales places. And so we were yeah. more fitness, less sales, but there's a lot of places like what we talked about earlier that are more like very much sales and fitness, but sales is a priority. And we were trying to kind of stay away from that, but we've had to shift more into that gear of being like, um, trying to figure out a way to not be pushy, but also say, Hey, we want to help you out. And how do we help you get signed up? Or what is your barrier here? And let's help you get over that barrier. So we've used our CRM for a lot 
a lot more than we did before. We've been following up with leads like, you know, far more frequently than we did before. So <laughs> I was going to ask you, you know, in, you know, the, the pre COVID to now, like obviously the, the mindset's changed a little bit, right. you know, um, the, the, the sales, the approach, you know, what, I guess let's just talk about right now, what kind of is the, like the follow-up procedure when a lead comes into the inbox and then like the automated text goes out or, you know, you guys reach out manually, what's kind of like the follow-up process from the moment they get into the inbox to either they show up for an appointment or, you know, you just keep following back up till they do. So we kind of have a limit of about three um, follow-ups. We don't keep following up until they show up. We, um, Basically, they'll get an automatic text if they, you know, come online and even get onto our website. But then beyond that, we actually have one, our, one of our um, front desk managers following up with, with every lead personally. And so she will follow up with them, you know, within three days after the automatic text goes out, trying to help them ask, answer any questions, that kind of thing. And then she'll follow up again within another three to five days. Um, and try to help them set anything up. And then if that doesn't happen, we leave that um, and don't pursue that as a lead again. Um, we have a different process with someone who's actually taken a class or has, um, we have a we have a membership called a TriFly, which is a two week unlimited uh, for $59. And so people can come in and try all of our classes. And we have a different process that we follow with people who have either taken one class or who have actually taken, uh, signed up for the TriFly. Um, and we're a little more, um, we follow up a little bit more with those and we bring that back kind of repeatedly. So every six months we'll follow up with a person who's taken one class and then with a tri-fly person, we'll follow up with them until we know they're actually not interested. Got it. Okay. So the difference there is like people that just come in the inbox, you'll reach out, you know, a few times then nothing It's like, okay, not there. But if they actually come in do the trial the past the whatever then you'll kind of like engage until either they give you the big you know f off or right. you know please stop contacting me kind of thing correct because i think you know for the people who maybe have been on our website and are just kind of looking around it, i think until someone has like some skin in the game which is showing up at, a, at the studio and actually knowing what the experience is like that's not as I wouldn't, you know, that, that lead is not as warm of a lead or, you know, however you want to call that. It's not somebody who we, you know, maybe they're interested, but until we can actually get them in to take a class, we, you know, it's somebody may just be poking around on the site. It depends on how much information they've given. So we can, we have different levels of that, but if someone's actually looking and they've tried to sign up for a class and it's not working, that's different than someone just kind of us having their basic info. Yeah. So. And then Obviously, you mentioned the CRM, you have software to, you know, leads and contact logs and things like that. Um, do you have or your, your team have like a structure set up where like these leads that, you know, you follow up with three, maybe four times, whatever, and they don't take a class. Do you like keep those in your back pocket for like a rainy day for like a um, like a I don't know if you guys do any kind of like special promotions, you know, one offs here and there, stuff like that, like where you can reach back out into that jar and do like a mass email or text blast? You know, that's interesting. <laughs> it's a good, a good idea. Actually, I don't know where those leads, if they just sit, I, now that you say that, I don't know if those leads actually sit in our CRM somewhere, where those leads go, to be honest. 
if they have never, if they're, you know, say someone, you know, three months ago just was, you know, poking around on our site and never, ever came in because that's actually a good point. I don't, I, I feel like we would be reaching out to those people and they'd still be in there. And we, because we do go back a year and six months and we go back by timeline. So I, but that's actually a good question. I need to ask our, our COO that. So there you go. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Here to help when I can. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then in, in part two to that, your CRM now, I don't know, you've, you've had a lot of experience, different studios and things like that. Have you worked or used MindBody before? Yeah, we we have MindBody right now. Okay. Um, that's our software, yeah. Okay, that's what I was going to ask because in MindBody, me personally, when I was running um, my studio and we would have a little bit different follow-up process as far as how many times and things like that, but um we would put like, say like a lead has been contacted, I don't know, like seven plus times. We'll just throw a random number in there. Right. We would put them and I know each mind body can be set up and programmed differently in different like little check boxes, whether it's like a, you know, new intro follow-up, intro head coach follow-up, whatever. Um, but we would put those into like a re-engage folder where you could like click re-engage, contact log. So then you can pull up, you know, all those people that may have gotten missed or not captured. And then, like I mentioned, you guys can do a, you know, a, a mass text, email, phone call. Hey, we're running, you know, whatever you guys do at the time for that, but um, something to look into. Um, yeah, that's actually great. I mean, we do that with people who, you know, were like high users, uh, you know, either pre pre COVID or, uh, you know, last year or some people who were heavy users of our studio. Yeah. We bring back um mass emails for those kind of groups and we also try to use personal you know contact as well with some of those people but um that's a that's a, actually a great idea you know for for us mind body has been challenging as far as the data and the way it's organized and things like that so we're actually switching our software okay. over the summer to try to make it work better for us but it I, that's one of the main reasons that is because of trying to you know, have any kind of uh, pulling our data in any kind of manageable way has been challenging for us to figure out, okay, these are the ones we want to re-engage with. These are the people who, you know, were high users. These are the people, I just feel like mind body, their lists have been a little complicated for, um, and not as user-friendly from our standpoint, but. Yeah, I, uh, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's so many different things that you can pull and you know when and what to pull and things like that um so with that you, you know what what kind of if any you know with your current system what you know what data points do you guys track and pull on like a weekly or monthly basis to kind of see where the ship is headed you know do we need to to boost how many leads are, are coming into our inboxes or how many shows we need to to net positive for the member gain for the month, you know, are, are there metrics and, and, and tools that you're tracking that with, you know, for like meetings and stuff like that? I mean, the biggest one is just number of memberships or members. And so we track that every week. Um, and we, we obviously want to make sure that we're not losing any more members than we're gaining. And, you know, there's, there's some attrition obviously there where some people are leaving, but we generally tend to get, have really good retention for our members. So we look at retention numbers. Um, we like to look at, you know, how many people are in the, in classes. So that those numbers, is it, you know, are we 
over 50% as far as our, our um, how full our classes are. So we look mm -hmm. at that. Um, and we look at that, we probably look at that about once every three weeks to every month. So we don't look at our class size um, every week, but we look at our membership more frequently than that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, obviously, I mean, membership recurring revenue, right. and, and so on and so forth. Right. For us, we also, we also have um, a boutique. So we we look at our retail um, revenue um, because for us, we sell things like Lululemon and um, Aloe Yoga. We have lots of good high-end brands. And so yeah. that's actually a nice revenue point for us. So we do look at that as well. Yeah, those are, I, I always see the Aloe. I've never personally had any of that, but obviously Lulu, Orange Theory and Lulu are like tight-knit. Right. But Lulu's, Lulu's branched out quite a bit. There's a lot of studios and a lot of places that, you know, are partnering with Lulu and right. they'll throw the Lulu name on there with the logo and, you know, whatnot, but. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um. So, you know, one of the things I want to ask before it gets too deep in here is, you know, what, you know, for for the baby, what um are some of like the, the, the bigger, you know, long-term goals with that studio as it sits now? Like maybe the rest of this year, the next couple of years, you know, what, what's kind of top of mind for you in that studio? Well, I mean, there's a few things. Some of them have to do with, you know, clients and revenue. And then some of them have to do with just the purpose of the studio. So for us, it's our flagship. And as we're franchising and growing, that's going to be our training facility. So it will um, serve different kind of different roles for us. We'll be able to bring people here for training and for franchise discovery days and things like that. Um, as far as membership, you know, I'd we'd like to hit 200 members. Um, so we're every, you know, week we're trying to go up by 10, which is a big goal for us, but, you know, cause we're not as large of a city, but um, 200 would be by summertime. And then to maintain memberships over the summer, because we have a, actually a, you know, a big student population. So it tends to dip down. I mean, most gyms dip down in the summer, but yeah. definitely we feel that. Um, but as far as growth, we just like to hit 200 and stick at 200, um, for, for how, how many members we have at that studio and then really use the studio to help market our franchise. We just, we actually just rebranded. And so we have a whole new, um, logo and website and all, all of that kind of stuff. And so we're using that studio also to demonstrate our new, we're not going to have everybody redo their signage and everything, but we'll, that's another uh, goal is we're going to replace all the signage and all of our logos and, and things down at that studio. So. Yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, that's like the original studio. You want that one to be like pristine top shape, you know, the walls are painted, all the, all the little like meticulous things that, you know, maybe certain gym owners would be like, you know, what's that over there? Like, is that a crack in the, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. And then obviously you want those operations to be efficient and immaculate and, you know, to show like, obviously is, is a franchise or that, you know, you have your stuff together and, and whatnot. Right. Um, totally. And I, I think creating like, you know, when we did went through the whole franchise process that actually helped us, we, you know, our operations manuals now, you know, 350 pages long or, you know, it's, it's big, but, you know, we had, we had great, uh, processes laid out we had great um training all of that kind of thing but laying it out in as such detail as we had to for the franchise process has really helped us streamline a lot of things 
um, and helped us figure out, you know, this is exactly what we need to do here and how and how we train our front desk and how many hours and how many shadows. And I mean, just all of that kind of stuff and how we train people on our software and everything. It's very, very um, streamlined now. So. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, writing down exactly like what is the process? What is the best practice? What, you know, follow-ups and everything like that. Do, do you feel like if you would have had that that manual in the beginning of opening, do you think that would have made a huge difference to, you know, where you started to where you are now? Or maybe it'd just be a couple of things. I don't think that would have made a big difference. I mean, I think at the beginning when when I opened the first studio, I definitely overspent because I didn't really care about, you know, what that looks like. I think knowing all of that now would has helped us as we've built out other studios. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, a, you know, a lot of the processes have stayed the same. And then the ones that have changed have ones that have had to evolve, really. And so there's had to be some evolving as you kind of grow as a company. And um so even had I, a lot of them, things were written down, but some of them have had to evolve anyway, because we, you know, we're a lot bigger now and it just wouldn't work. We had, you know, seven instructors when we started. And so um, I think now it's just, you know, it had to shift. So I would have had to rewrite it all anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And as, you know, studios get bigger and you become, depending on, you know, what, what, you know, what your plan is with how many studios you want to open around, you know, if you want to be nationwide, if you're sticking to a certain like West coast market, Midwest market kind of thing, um, you know, then obviously things are going to change and develop as time goes on and probably a global reset is is some point, maybe depending on how big you want to get. Right. Uh, But you know, obviously all those are futuristic things and kind of exciting to think about in a way. Yeah. Well, we're hoping to, we're definitely hoping to, to grow, um, in the next five years, um, reasonably quickly, I would say not as quickly as someone like, you know, Orange Theory, but definitely we'd like, we want to grow. So. <laughs> yeah. I was, I mean, obviously Orange Theory is kind of like the flagship of group boutique fitness or right. uh, group hit fitness to, as far as, you know, growing so fast, but there's been, you know, multiple resets within, you know, how many studios they have and corporate going to each studio and or studios themselves doing a, uh, a reset training to make sure everybody's, you know, you walk into an orange theory in Chicago, it's going to be the same experience in California, right? Like that's kind of the ultimate goal, obviously, but we all know that, you know, there's always going to be little things that are always going to be different depending on the culture there and the studio and the space. And you know, it's hard to do as you grow, as you grow, you know, you can't control all of that. You have, you know, you have, it's like the balance of growing quickly and continuing to have the same culture and the same, you know, standards at all the places. You, it's like, if you grow too fast, you just can't maintain that. So you have to, it's very tricky for people to do that. So. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so we touched on a little bit leads marketing you know, current marketing company, you know, how long with, how long have you guys been with them? Um, so are you talking about our CRM or are you, we don't have, you know, an actual marketing company. Okay. So, oh, so you, okay. Okay. That's so our, our COO is, um, she's a marketing, um, she does all of our marketing and she's, her background is in marketing. And so she worked at, at a marketing agency prior to, to, being at fly. And so she, you know, we, she does all of that and we put together our content calendar and all of that, um, for, 
you know, and she basically sets it out. So. Got it. Okay. This that makes sense. So your, your company is for like the CRM and, you know, like the systems in place, but then as far as like marketing, paid advertising, stuff like that, she kind of did now is, is it like, is it just like that one person or is there like a mini group that, or department, I guess, if you want to call it, um, that does like, you know, the funnels or the ads and the, the, you know, the graphics and all that kind of stuff. How does that, how does all that work? Well, so we have, um, we've used, we've used a couple of agencies here locally in Lincoln um, for a few, for some of our ads. So I will say like, if we um, like our videos, things like that. So we have used a couple of different agencies here. And one of them, I, you know, I mean, they're both women owned. So I, I love supporting that. Um, But then our COO, we have a a team of people who, a videographer, we have a photographer, we have um, people who can write the content. We have, um, you know, people that are on our sales team that actually help out as well with writing some of the content for um, some of our campaigns. Um, And then she kind of puts it all together. So, or is like runs that group. Got it. Okay. And then. Are all of the studio, well, I mean, that's the studios that are there now, is is like she kind of pushing out the content for all of the studios or do each studio has their own discretion to use what they want? So she pushes the content out um, and actually creates templates. And those templates are, we ask that they use those templates, but then like, so so for instance, for our Fargo studios, they um, can, you, they should, they, we ask that they use the templates and the content, but then they can switch it out with their current, like photos and things like that, that they have. They have a photographer that we've approved, um, videographer, so things like that. So they use our general templates for their ads and their um, social media, all their content, all everything. And they, um, but then they personalize it to their own local studios. I got it. So, yeah, so it's kind of like you can, I guess I think what the word I'm thinking of is like, there's like different like drips or formats that you can like pick and choose, like, you know, whether it's like a video and a picture and then like a description of the ad or whatever. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And sometimes they choose to just use ours, you know, Um, but if, if, but if they want it to be personalized or if we have, you know, say something on a highlighting an instructor, they obviously have to make that about their instructor, but they use the template for that. So. Got it. Excellent. Um, Well, I got a few last things here for you um, as we get ready to wrap up. Uh, One of the things is in your very vast and broad experiences in, you know, um, entrepreneurship brain, what words of advice would you give to somebody that's looking to start their own fitness endeavor, whether it's kickboxing or personal training or just a big box gym where people come and go you know what words of advice would you give somebody upon startup so i guess that's it would you are you asking if they'd start as a franchise or if they'd start as their own idea yeah let the for, for context let's just say they have their own idea they they want to start a business whether that idea is personal training or group fitness or whatever what would you give them to to start? I mean, I think that any time you absolutely love something and it's your passion, you're probably going to be, you know, somewhat successful at doing it if you take the right steps to get there. So I would say just go for it, first of all. But um, I think that it's really important to kind of run the numbers 
uh, right off the bat, come up with what you think is going to your expenses and, you know, um, what you think it's actually going to cost, figure out, you know, and, and really do it from a realistic perspective. So when I first started out, I was looking at, you know, classes being 50% full, which I think at the time was pretty reasonable. Um, but, you know, figure out what it looks like, how many classes you have, what your schedule looks like, what you actually have to, your payroll is going to look like. And because I think a lot of people who are really into fitness are not going to be quite as adept at, you know, the business side of it. Um, but you have to run the numbers because otherwise it's just going to be something you love, but you're going to be pouring your, your entire financial, you know, life into that. So that's what I would say. I would say run the numbers before you, um, before you do it. Love that. Um, and then last but not least is, you know, all, for all the listeners listening right now, how and where are the best ways to reach your facility, whether it's a website, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, go ahead and give a shout out on all the ways that they can reach you. Yeah. So our website is, uh, feels fly, like feeling fly F as in Frank E E L S as in Sam fly. So feels fly.com. Um, our Instagram is link feels fly L N K feels fly. Um, and same thing on Facebook. So, um, people can reach out that way to, to us if they, you know, they can email us at the studio to, at fly studio, uh, at Gmail. Um, yeah. So, or come to Lincoln and check out a class, <laughs> come to Fargo, check out a class if they want to, you know, see it in person. So. Absolutely. Love that. Well, thank you so much for that, Jenny. Uh, well, for everybody out there listening, if you want to feel fly during class, go check out Fly Fitness and see what they're all about. They got a lot of different offerings and they're bound to determine to make you sweat and get some results. Um, and then if anybody out there listening is inspired and they want to come on the show and you know share their perspective on fitness and what they're doing, we'd love to have you. So feel free to click on the link below, type your info in, and we'll be in touch. But until then, y'all, that's been another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. Gym Lords, out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, our guest is Jen Smith of Snap Fitness with nine locations throughout Wisconsin. Jen, what's going on? How are we today? Good. How are you doing? I am very well. I appreciate you asking and I appreciate you joining us. I'm excited to to get into this and, and pick your brain and see what it is that we can learn from your business ownership experience. And I think 
usually at this point in the interview, I spend some time to explain the background and what people what what people's businesses are about. I think Snap Fitness is enough of a well-known brand at this point to where we don't need to do too much work, at least for our audience, to know what Snap Fitness is. But what I do want to pick your brain on is how you got involved in all of this and, and why Snap Fitness specifically. And so take us back in, in your memory bank here to when the idea started spinning around that, that I'm going to become a business owner in the fitness space. What was going on and, and how did all of this come to be? Sure. Yeah, I, um, I have a business background. I have my master's in business and I've, you know, worked corporate America jobs since graduating. And I was recruited to a new company. I just recently finished my master's, went to a new company to help them uh, start up a technology division. And um, there was a lot of changes going on in the organization from the time I was hired to the time I decided to get out of there. Um, but basically, I inherited a different boss through some org structures that I and he and I were clashing with, and uh, my core values were on the line. And I I started seeking out an exit strategy. So my boyfriend at the time grew up in a family business, and it was really easy for him to be like, oh, just buy a company. Why don't you look at these businesses? But for me, I grew up in a kind of a different environment. Both of my parents worked their whole life. Neither Neither of them went to college. I was the first in the family to go to college. So I kind of thought I would I would be on the climb the ladder path and never thought like business ownership was going to be in my future. So that was, um, that was new to me, but I, I basically decided to cold call snap fitness corporate. Um, my boyfriend had looked into two of the locations near our home. They were for sale. And he's like, you should check and see if they're still for sale. I think they would be perfect for you. I was a student athlete my whole life. So you know, working out in gyms was really comfortable for me. I enjoyed doing it. And one of the things that would happen to me in my corporate jobs is I would, you know, stop working out, start focusing on the job. So I thought it might be an interesting balance for me to use my brain, run a business and um, get to play around in the gym and help people. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really how it happened. I um, called them looking at two locations and when they called me back, they said that their Wisconsin owner was actually in the process of selling eight of their locations, and it would be a better price if I bought all eight than just the two. So, um, yeah, I started due diligence for the eight um, Snap Fitness franchises around the Southeast Wisconsin area. And it took me a couple months to evaluate if I wanted to do it or not. And um, very quickly when I got in, I realized, that they were uh, a turnaround situation that was going to need a lot of um, money, a lot of time. And, um, you know, I really felt like a local presence was going to help the situation. These clubs had been neglected and they really needed somebody who was local and was going to care and help create a culture of caring versus just a business mentality. And so yep. here I am. There, there's a lot to unpack in all of that, but first and foremost, it's, it's not an uncommon story on this podcast to hear. I had a boss that I didn't quite jive with. It drove me to, to make a, a change of a decision for you. That decision being, I guess I'll just buy eight gyms 
it's a pretty big <laughs> leap for right. for somebody who did not necessarily we we had business experience not necessarily fitness business experience so far at least what's been the biggest differences in your mind between the corporate career versus entrepreneurship and, and owning gyms so i would say the quality of the employees that you get in a big huge monstrous public company at the level I was working at was much higher than what a small gym can afford. And so me going from running, you know, $220 million of business globally with people all over the world that I have to interact with, I thought, how hard is it going to be to run eight gyms within a couple of hours of each other? Um, and that was the biggest challenge for me was um, working with the staff that the facilities could afford and trying to work with them with metrics and all the corporate stuff that I was familiar with. They just, it was the learning curve was huge and kind of the mentality of the staff that, that was in my gym that I inherited was very different than the staff that I had worked with my entire career. So it was yep. very quickly, we got to teach them a lot of different stuff. We need to teach them before we can even get, you know, productivity out of them. So yep. that was probably the biggest challenge. Completely understood. And, and where I see a, a significant difference here with someone that opens one gym, you can be there, you can handle a lot of the tasks and activities. With eight, it's not realistic for Jen to be in all eight every single day. That's crazy. And so we need right. to have a team, we need to have a capable staff to handle the day to day of all of this, even with you behind the scenes delegating and training. That's a mountain of work early on taking over businesses like this. Bring us to uh, present day here, Jen. I assume you mentioned that the, the former owner was looking to get out. My experience suggests that most of the time people don't leave businesses when they are wildly successful. So hopefully between then and now things have grown and, and changed a bit. On the marketing front, what have you found to be successful for your clubs? And maybe pair that up with what would you not recommend people invest their time or their dollars doing? Yeah. So I think um, because I'm in a Snap Fitness brand, I'm going to come at it from a couple different angles here. So the Snap Fitness franchise brand has a reputation um, of being, you know, it's, it was the first 24-7 non-staffed franchise gym opened like 16 years ago. And over the years, the competition has changed a lot. And so um, being part of a franchise, you've got a lot of the consistent look and feel product service offerings going on. And um, the market was changing kind of at different rates than what all of the owners were able to keep up with. So for me to come in, I had to recreate my gyms to be successful for what the market needed now. And I really used a lot of Facebook to begin with to just get the word out that the brand is different than what you're familiar with it being. So we've, um, like you and I talked prior to this call, um, I have personal training. I have nutrition. We have small group. We've got a lot of different um, services that connect our clients versus what they started out as is kind of the unstaffed gym where there's nobody there to help you. We are so drastically different from when we started the brand to what we are now. 
I had to do a major spend and push on get people to come in the door and see me now. You may have been here before, but come see us now. Yeah. And um, so Facebook and, and social media ads were, you know, really an affordable way to do that. And then, um, like I said, when I first started, I wanted to use to leverage that I was a local owner. So these owners that I bought the gym from were, I think, out of Atlanta. So they were hardly ever local. And because I, you know, I didn't grow up here, but my boyfriend was here and I now live here. I was local and I, I tried to get involved in anything community that I could get to know the different businesses around the area, become friends with the businesses. If I help them, they want to help me. So it was literally, how do I get the gen brand out there? get people to know me, get people to like me, and then they're going to want to help send people my way because I'm helping support them. Those are, those have been the two biggest things for us. Yeah. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is a multitude of strategies. First and foremost, how do we reach the masses digitally, right? 2023 or, or even a handful of years ago, the best way to do that a lot of the time, Facebook, Instagram, or, or whatever social platform of choice yeah. Pairing that with some gorilla boots on the ground type, just pounding the pavement for you, exactly. shaking hands and kissing babies to to get some <laughs> FaceTime around your communities to let them know. You know, a lot of the time with models like this, especially in the franchise, people don't even know who the owner is. For you to get out and establish a presence makes a big difference in the mind of the consumer, at least. I want to pick your brain on the social media side of things here for a minute because it's a hot button topic in in the fitness space, at least. And the majority of the time, I find that it's a hot button topic because people don't know what they're doing. For you guys, was this run in-house? Was this run through an agency? How did we actually take advantage of, of the platform? So I, I'm, I tried a bunch of different things. So the franchise brand has changed significantly since I started. In the very beginning, they were lacking on tools to help support the franchises be consistent, um, create branded content. So we were kind of all over the place doing our best to, you know, represent the brand. But um, over the years, they've really um, changed the leadership and the tools that they have to support us. So there is a lot of help coming from the franchisor now from digital marketing. Um, we can hire them to do stuff for us if we would like. Um, I have talked to third-party companies to help me, but I've never hired, or I, I would take that back. I hired one, one time, and it was not good. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I shy away from that. Plus, yeah. I also, I have a business and marketing background, so I try to, you know, leverage my brain and um, network, share sure. uh, services with people to try to just be as cost effective as possible. Um, so I try to do a hybrid. I also hire, try to hire some people that have that background and that passion that that would want to do um, some of the social media for us. Um, but I do know the franchise doesn't require us to do anything specific. So some of the gym owners have uh, worked with third-party marketing agencies to help them, and some of them work with uh, yeah. corporate directly, and some of them do it on their own. That's one of the things that I appreciate, and a lot of franchises are going that way. Anytime is a similar in that, Snap is similar in that, to where there's a lot of artistic license in how you run your gyms. There's many franchises, fitness and otherwise, that dictate almost everything that you do, and you're not 
really a business owner at that point. You just happen to have the title. You guys have experimented with many different strategies of how to approach that and leveraging your skill set from decades of experience previous. Now, take me to the next step here. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this is, is pretty familiar with walking into a business like this and what the sales process typically would entail. But when you took over, what did you focus on throughout your sales process to make that as efficient as possible? You know, uh, we definitely standardize and, and corporate has done this as well. And they've, they've rolled out new training, but I really try to treat everybody like a human, treat everybody the way I would want to be treated. Um, imagine myself as my target market. What would it take for me to be happy? What would it take for me to want to join this place? What would it take for me to be comfortable walking into a new gym for the first time? Um, you know, I, I think over the years and just experiencing the people coming in the door and how it's changed prior to COVID to after COVID and the needs of the people are, are still there, but they've shifted a little bit. I do feel like there's a whole new group of people coming out that, that are really worried about how they feel. And so I kind of changed my onboarding or my meeting process with a lot of making sure that they feel comfortable that we, you know, listen to what they're talking about, listen to what their why is, and really keep probing until we find out their why. And then I've set up in my facilities that we have everything available to help them no matter where they're at on their journey, if they've never worked out before, if they, you know, they've worked out and failed or, you know, wherever they're at, we have product, a tool, a service available at any budget to help support them and take care of them and, you know, really you know, be there for them. It's it's more of a community feeling than just joining a gym, I would say. Yeah. And and we had gotten to speaking earlier and, and I think Snap Fitness as an entity has gone this way as well, but you put a heavy, heavy focus on the add-on products, the coaching services, the accountability, the expertise, personal training, semi-private group training, you name it. At what point is it make sense to talk about those things at point of sale? Have you found more success hosting that conversation and, and shuffling some people towards those services after they've already been a member? How do you how do you make sure that those services are being utilized? Yeah, we definitely talk about it in the beginning during the you know exploratory session where we're trying to figure out their background, their knowledge level, their goals, their why. We definitely are are helping them get the feeling that we are a lifestyle situation and we are, you know, more than capable of helping them in all aspects of their lifestyle and, and you know, creating the life that they want. There's lots of different ways to get there and we are prepared to help them no matter what they want to do, you know, things like that. But a lot of times um, members that have been around us for a while you know, we form friendships or we form relationships and they'll come back to us after they thought they could do it. Say, hey, Jen, what about this? I'm really struggling with this. Um, so I, I get it both ways, but we definitely, you know, we've got uh, products out. We've got, you know, service information listed everywhere. It's in everybody's front and center when they're all over the gym. You know, all of our staff is talking about it whenever they interact with people. 
it's on our social, you know, it's in our monthly newsletters. So we're, we're constantly reminding them, but I'm a very low pressure salesperson. I am here whenever you're ready. I am not going to force anybody to do anything that they don't want to do, but just know whenever you're ready, I'm here. And that's kind of the mentality that I want all my staff to be that way for the clients as well. And that's, I think, something they've come to appreciate. Yeah. I want to zoom out on all of this because we, we talked a good bit about how you got started with these gyms. We've explored what things look like now Paint me a picture of the future, and I'm sure it's it's case by case, club to club, but is your focus from your role more on increasing membership in general? Is it penetration rate of some of these services? Is it something that we haven't even talked about yet? Where is Where is your mind as things move on with these clubs? You know, I feel like I've, I've worn every hat and they, you know, I've been super energized and I've been super deflated and burnt out over the years. And I'm at right now a spot where I am super excited about, you know, mentoring staff that's excited about not just working in a gym, but thinking this could be a career for them. Whether it's somebody that wants to own a gym or somebody that wants to be a life coach or a nutrition coach or you know, personal trainer, I am all about helping people, you know, achieve their dreams. And so if it's my staff, I'm all on board with helping them grow and helping them find their purpose and, you know, empowering them and removing barriers for them to be the best that they can be. Um, I'm also on a journey to get out into the communities more and find um, the high quality uh, members versus just the high volume members. Like I really want to help people. And I, um, I guess over the years, I feel like I want to help everybody. I, I have different hearts for different situations. Um, we have a lot of seniors that I love helping at one of our locations. They, they make me feel like, um, I need to take care of them. My, my family's not local. They're on the other side of the state. And I always tell everybody, if my mom and dad were to choose to walk in a gym one day for their first time ever, I hope they meet, I hope they meet somebody like me because I look at every one of the seniors that come in the door thinking I'm going to take care of them. Like they were my parents. Um, so I love helping those people. We have great class going on and they do life together and they live life in a different way um, than people who don't exercise and work out together. So I love helping them. I love finding more seniors that want to come in and, connect with others so that they, you know, who feel happy at all parts of their lives. I also have a new place in my heart for women. This is a new thing I'm on a journey for. Um, throughout my life, a lot of women, I would say, have hurt me over the years. And I found it easier to just be in sports and, you know, have guy friends than female friends. But I've gotten older and found some amazing women friends and really learned a lot more about being a female myself and what's going on in all of us and how to give more grace and, and really feel like, okay, all that stuff happened because you need to help women. Women are really hard on themselves and therefore they're hard on others and they're trying to be something that they don't know how to be. And we just all need to get together and, and help each other. So I'm definitely on a mission to to yeah. impact women in ways that I've never been before. So those are kind of my two well, points. How to get them in the door. Yeah. 
a very happy International Women's Day to you then. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Beyond all of that, I think it's it's reflective of where the businesses are. It sounds to me, and this is this is partially a product of the COVID years as well, where I saw so many gyms before the mission was just how many bodies can we shove through the doors? How high can we climb this membership count? And I think there's been this paradigm shift where maybe we don't need 5,000, 10,000 members. Maybe we can serve a smaller population with these different services that we have. From a business perspective, the revenue and the profits are, are just as good from an ownership perspective. I don't have nearly as many headaches or fires to fight and everybody seems to have a, a much better attitude about the whole thing. Gyms, especially when they're profitable, can reinvest in the service and everybody gets a whole lot more out of it. As soon as I talk to a gym owner who's scrambling for dollars and trying to sign up everybody, whether or not it's a good fit for them, you can pretty quickly tell things are on a slippery slope. So I think it's uh, it's it's evidence that the years of work that you've put in have been fruitful, at least. We're running a little bit shy on time here, Jen, but I want to save a minute for you to, to tell people where they could learn more about what you do, more about these clubs. Is there a website? Are there specific social media links? How can people connect? Yeah, um, my personal social media is Jen Smith 1210 and that's an easy way to find me, then all of my businesses are on there. Otherwise, I do have the Snap Fitness brand in Southeast Wisconsin. The current locations that I have right now are Heartland, Sussex, and Wauwatosa. And then in Heartland, I also um, have a classroom where we promote, it's called the Real Fitness brand. So that's kind of my product, uh, services, supplements, side of the business that that operate within all the snap fitnesses so there's also a real fitness real fit for life social out there as well and all uh, those come back to me tremendous to people listening connect with jen and the team on those platforms that she mentioned jen this has been fun i i appreciate your willingness to share your perspective and experience and it sounds like you still have some some big projects out there in the works so we'll have to to revisit this down the road for today we're out of time but i wish you nothing but the best moving forwards thank you thank you so much i appreciate it absolutely to everyone who tuned in thank you as well don't forget if you'd like to be notified about future episodes hit like and subscribe if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business click the link in the description fill it out our team will be in touch and as always until next time jim lords out Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.